Thanks for hitting that play button. Okay. <sighs> One day I'll feel good about it. Um. <laughs> Welcome back to Unlearning, a podcast dedicated to all the things you had to unlearn in order to become the better person you desire to be. Today's episode is about politics. Let's unlearn that. Today we have a very special guest, Val Agnew. She's the founder of the Trident Network. And if you're wondering, what's the Trident Network? We're, you're listening to a podcast as part of the Trident Network right now. Yes. Um, she's a, a former campaign manager and a comedian about town. Uh, she's worked on three different uh, political aldermanic campaigns, which I guess is, is how you say that. Uh, campaigns for aldermen, and she she herself is not manic at all. Um, just she's just a gosh dang beaut, which is what it says in my yes. in my script. She's a beaut. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Val. Please welcome Val Agnew. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, pals. Of this course. Is so fun. We're so excited that you're here. We're excited to unpack politics. Ugh. Go as deep as we want to. Yeah, or... this is going to be a twenty hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I got time. Let's do it. Yeah, and we and I'm glad that you decided to do this episode because you've worked with aldermen's and was a campaign manager. Um, so I feel like you have a lot to say, to feel. And I still uh, periodically like write. So I have I aside from doing Trident, I also am like a freelancer. And one of the areas that I freelance in is like political stuff still. So I write about it sometimes on my my blog. Um, and I like talking about politics and learning about politics. So let's do it. <laughs> All right. Because I'm scared to talk about politics. Right. We've kind of avoided it for the first, <laughs> the whole first season. And now we're like, let's just go for it. Yes. We can jump into our first segment. Um, this is where we talk about a time we had to learn something about politics and discuss it. Uh, the segment is unlearn that Val, Matt, Felicia. Is there a time that you had to unlearn something about politics that you thought were true? and then learned that it is truly untrue. No, I was just thinking constantly every day, everything that I ever thought I knew about <laughs> politics gets changed now in the last like four or five years. Nothing that correspondence on, on the news, they told you, oh, oh, this is how it works and this is who will win and this is who won't win and mm-hmm. uh, it's all turned out to be nonsense. No one knows anything <laughs> about politics is what I'm finding out. I've had to learn many things about politics, but I think that the most difficult thing that I had to unlearn was sort of my idealism around politics. So Mm. one thing you learn really quickly when working on a political campaign, because I was like, I'm going to work on a political campaign. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to make the world a better place by helping the right person get into the right job so that they can implement all the good changes that need to be done. And then I realized that um, uh, being a campaign worker and also just like running for office is is like hyper practical and um you you say what you need to do and you do what you need to do to get elected Mm. um regardless of what your ideals are and that really really was hard for me to come to terms with i don't know that it's something like in the traditional way that you you too often define unlearning, where it's like unlearning something bad. It's like I had to unlearn something good to sort of deal with something. The environment you were working in. A reality. In. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's probably like the most um, 
the biggest thing where I was just like so pumped going in. And then I just realized that like on the ground level politics, um, is just very like hyper pragmatic in kind of a gross way. Mm-hmm. Um, and people definitely cheat in campaigns. People definitely lie about what they think. Um, if not lying by omission, just outright lying. Um, so it's, uh, and, and they justify it by saying, well, once I get into office, I'm the right person. I'll do all the right things. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, but are you going to be the same person when you get there that you were when you started? So. And they're like, absolutely not. <laughs> no, I'm going to be an absolute monster. Yeah. So you went into campaigns thinking that the candidates were telling the truth all the time? Is that what you... <laughs> um, not all of them, but I figured like... You thought that there was a higher volume of truth than there yeah. was. Yeah, I just felt like it was more about ideas and less about um, st- like strategy in a mm. gross way. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, whose hand can I shake? Uh, you know, how, who who can I get the milk the most money out of? Um, you know, what's the right list to get my name on? Like all of that kind of stuff. Like, and and what's what's um, hard about that is that like the it's so ingrained in the way the campaign process works that like even if a candidate doesn't want to sort of give into that and participate in that they really don't have a choice they either do it or they don't win or they don't have any chance of winning so it's like a system that's just like many things it's a system that's built on bad foundation and it's really hard to like break that down and start over it rewards bad behavior it incentivizes all the 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 bad things that we would like to ideally get out of politics those are the very things that are being incentivized by the actual establishment of it Yes. This physically hurts. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for coming on and ruining our day. This is this has been uh, unlearning. Uh, for anyone who came talked- in thinking anything positive, I hope you unlearned being positive about yeah. our country. I hope you unlearned having any optimism about our nation's democracy. We've talked in previous episodes about uh, being younger and believing like, Older people want, knows what's best for us mm. and they're going to do what's best for all of us. So that's like a huge thing. Um, learning in my adulthood being like, oh, people are smoozing, smooch, smoozing, smoozing, smoozing. Mm. You're still not getting it. She gave it to you correctly. You still Schmooze, didn't get it. Smoozing. Schmooze. Schmoozing. Oh, schmoozing. Ooh. Yes. Okay. We're learning. Um <laughs> People are uh, using gross ways to advance just to get into these positions. Um, and it's just it just makes me so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no term limits in a lot of political jobs, which I think just incentivizes people to not care about what they're doing and just care about keeping the job. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because it is to them. It's I mean, it's their job, and yeah. I, I try not. I try to do what I can do to not get fired, and that's basically the, the same thing. Uh, doing right by the voters should be what keeps you from getting fired. But actually, finding ways of uh, funneling money into your campaign is the easiest way to not get fired. Because the shitty foundation it was formatted on. Mm-hmm. So now everything is like skewed and fucked. Yeah. 
I once heard that, uh, and this was a while ago, so it's probably more now, but I heard that a member of, I think, the House uh, has to raise $10,000 a day in order to have any hope of getting reelected. And, <laughs> and they have to campaign every two years. So basically, they are never not fundraising. They are never not campaigning. So when are they doing their job? They're not. Yeah. 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 I mean, two years. So you get like 700 days and you got like 699 days of fundraising and maybe one day where you show up and, and vote. <laughs> and I get the idea originally with the House was like, oh, frequent elections will keep them honest to the voters. But what it's turned out to be, at least in the last few years, is that they just need to be constantly fundraising. Yep. Uh so how do we fix this? Guys, let's fix this. The three of us, let's sit down, put our hands again. Let's fix politics right now. We have about a half hour left. Let's get this done before lunch. I think we can do it. Oh, yeah. But I liked what you were saying, Felicia, also about like sort of the way you talk about politics with other people and like how when you're growing up, you think like, for example, your parents mm-hmm. know what they're talking about. Yikes. And then you at some point come to terms with the they don't <laughs> that their sources are the same if not worse than your own um yeah i totally get that well now it's i'm so interested scary. what what's what are your parents political persuasions for both of you versus your own and how does sure. that influence you well uh my so when i was growing up my mom was a democrat and my dad was sort of like somewhere between a libertarian and a republican um, and so there were a lot of political discussions at the dinner table. And I, for as long as I can remember, and I actually like found a paper I wrote in high school that was like, I'm a Democrat. So like for as long as I can remember, I've identified as a, as a Democrat. So it was always this interesting debate uh, between the three of us. But what's interesting is my mom. <laughs> so I don't know if this is still the case, but the way that you used to get put on jury duty was using voter registration rolls. Right. So my mom refused to vote for most of her adult life because she didn't <laughs> want to get called for jury duty. <laughs> That's so, using a noggin. Yeah, yeah. So um, she would like have a lot of opinions, but never cared enough to actually voice them in a way that matters. So I was always kind of like, I don't want to hear it from you, even though we often more often agreed on things. Um, I was just like, you need to go vote. Like, especially when I got older, I was like, what are you doing? Um, but now what's interesting is my dad is, is turning 80 this year or actually early January next year. And, um, so you'd expect him to have gotten more and more conservative because that's typically what happens to people. Mm. But my dad over the course, especially of like the last 10, 15 years has gotten almost to be a socialist. Like I would, I would most closely compare him to Elizabeth Warren. So he's he's like still kind of uh, believes that somehow capitalism can be made fair. Um, but my dad is a mathematician and he wrote a paper that's coming out soon that um, is like how the title is something like um, how to resolve income inequality using like universal basic income. Basically, he's like tax the rich and give it to, to everyone else. Um, so he's definitely like changed his perspective quite a bit. Um, and I, I think it's just cause he, unlike a lot of people, uh, believes in, uh, educating oneself and continuing to like take mm. in new information and listening to different perspectives. Like I know on social issues, he's adapted, 
a lot because like I've pointed things out to him um, and we've had a lot of like difficult conversations around like everything from systemic racism to like trans people to like all kinds of different things and he like I can see him like trying to like take it all in and understand what I'm saying and then like months will go by and then all of a sudden he'll have rearranged his like view which I just so I love that yeah I like so appreciate that he's willing to um listen and change the way that he thinks even based on something like his own kid you know bringing something up to him because it feels very unusual to me and I feel very very fortunate that that's the case with him so yeah that's sort of the dynamic in my household are your parents religious um no so my my mom was raised orthodox jewish um but she uh when she emigrated to the United States, um, she, well, her, her first marriage was arranged. So she was still pretty religious at that point. But then once they got divorced, I think she kind of dropped most of that and was mostly like culturally Jewish. Like my sister always went to Jewish schools, but they weren't, I don't think they were like going to synagogue regularly or anything. Mm -hmm. My dad's, my dad's, he grew up Methodist, but like my grandparents called the the church like the poor man's country club. Like it was more to find friends than it was to be religious. Like my, when my grandpa found out they would be doing communion that day, he would go golfing because he didn't <laughs> want anything to do with it. Um, <laughs> my my dad always says that our family didn't get the religion gene, so no, he is not religious at all, and my mom really isn't either. Nice. I'm like wondering, like, if that has anything to do with them being open to receiving new information, diving into that and then learning, because I feel like with my parents, we never talked about anything political. Um, It was more like you just need to go to school was what they said. Um, And then I think that my mom, she's very fear based. So if anybody says anything where it's like, you got to vote for me or probably people will die. My mom's like, probably people will die. So I'm going to vote for this guy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it's like just taking things at face value instead of asking questions. And I feel like with how it is with religion, they don't truly ask questions about things. So I feel like when it comes to politics, it's like, oh, what we're being told is true. So I just think that's super interesting. That's interesting. So are your parents more conservative then? I would say I would say uh, more Democrat, um, but easily like influenced. Because back in 2016, when Trump was running, I remember my mom was like, "He's saying all these things, and it's true. Like we we should be scared of all of these things." When I'm like. You're Jamaican. Yeah. Your your mom, the immigrant, was like, Donald Trump's warning us that the immigrants are coming for our jobs. It's like, yeah. That's and I'm you. like, that's you. And also, you're not working those jobs. And like, you're a citizen now. Like, you, uh, like, Fox News very much like could scare my mom into thinking, like, okay, and we need to make sure that we're doing this because these people are taking advantage of us when it's like, you are being taken advantage in this way. So having a conversation with my mom, I think she was open to hearing what I had to say right before she voted. But like, still it it did scare me that it's like, you're a grown up and I had to tell you that something feels wrong or to push back on this. 
is scary. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I think my mom is very similar. And I wonder if it has anything to do with being an immigrant. Mm. Like that sort of fear. And because I always used to be so indignant about the fact that my mom seemed to be such a hypocrite sometimes about things because, like, I was like, you are a woman, you are an immigrant, and you are Jewish. Like, what is it about not understanding minorities that you were having a problem? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. And like, I just never like understood that. But I think that there, it, it comes, you're right. Like it comes from fear. I think. Yeah. Anything. It's from fear and they're in a new space. So they're right. like, I don't want to stir the pot because uh, I'm not from here. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Hmm. Matt. Um, my, so my, my whole family is like Irish Catholic, but like not, uh, they're not good Catholics, but there's like the guilt, the guilt of the Catholicism. But here's the the interesting thing is a lot of, um, a lot of religious people tend to be more conservative in their politics. I think, um, in part because there's like, yeah, they're not questioning some of the fear tactic things sometimes. Um, my, my family is kind of classic Massachusetts, they're Catholic Democrats. And it's interesting, I, I guess I would say if there's a reason my family uh, is kind of sways Democrat, it's because like of the guilt thing of mm-hmm. Catholicism. It's like, you're doing well, so pay your damn taxes and other people are not uh, being treated equally and that's not fair and that's not okay. And um, so even though uh, neither of my parents are immigrants and they're both white. They still uh, worry about uh, minority groups or immigrant groups. Um, and it's just, yeah, so that was something I never really questioned. And what was interesting was like later on, I dated uh, someone who was from uh, the West Coast and meeting a like liberal family from the West Coast. Like they came about it in a different way. Uh, mostly we were like Democrats because we felt guilty and they were like Democrats coming from a much more positive, like liberal, like everyone should be free. Like, let's be positive and like share the wealth. And, and ours was less like share the wealth and more like you need to pay your taxes because you're a Feel sinner. Feel the shame. Yes, yeah. exactly. So we got to the same end point, but from very different, it was from a more negative standpoint than the positive of let's share our wealth. It was much more negative. You should feel bad that you're doing well. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. But, uh, so my parents were always, um, my mom is, is pretty solidly liberal and my dad's a little more centrist, I guess you would say, but, but almost exclusively votes Democrat. And obviously now that, um, now that the the Republican party has become more conservative, sorry to upset anyone listening to this who doesn't think that that's true, (laughs) but it's, it's pretty, uh, there's a lot of proof that they're getting more conservative. (laughs) And so my dad, as a result, as a centrist, um, is less likely every year to, to vote for a Republican and, and vote more for Democrats, not because the Democrats are necessarily hitting it out of the park, but because there's really no other option for centrists anymore. It used to be that there were two parties. And if you were a centrist, you could kind of choose. Now, if you were a liberal, you probably stuck to your party. And if you were a conservative, you stuck to your party. But centrists used to have a choice. And um, now, to me, more and more... Uh, and the choices being made for you, and it's. Uh, I feel like so many people on on the right will cry out about uh, 
fouls being committed by the liberals and how they're attacking and people on the left will do the same thing. And we get, keep getting further and further to these polls and uh, no one really talks about like, just like common sense centrist people who are just like, you know, I, I like some of the things on both sides, but like, can't, can't we just kind of get along and, and yeah, rich people should pay some taxes and I don't know if they have to pay all, you know. So I think um, I, my concern is that that we're losing the middle and the middle is where, at least in Congress, that's how you're supposed to get stuff done is, is meet in the middle. Um, I'm left of center, so I would like us to maybe get a few more liberal things than moderate things. But the reality of the situation is we always, the way we used to get things done was more moderate things. And now we're not even getting those things. Anything done. No, yeah. Nothing gets done. Yeah, I think it's like uh, politics has gone from being um, a means of uh, making the country a better place to your sports team. Yeah, no, it's it's blue team, red team. Yikes. Yeah, so it's like more about your identity and less about like the policies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and I think that like the spectrum has kind of shifted under the feet of everyone. So like the the centrists find themselves in one party or the other simply because the the line has moved rather yes. than like they've changed at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of hard because if you've identified as sort of a moderate um, and you're being asked by both sides to like identify like as a human with one of these sides all of a sudden, that's intimidating and probably a lot of people just are like i'm not gonna vote like i'm not gonna participate in this because i don't want this to be like you know my foam finger like screaming you know in the stands like Mm -hmm. i just wanted to like vote for who had the best ideas (laughs) that's just not how it is anymore now right yeah you have to have like unwavering support of your team no matter what they do which Mm -hmm. is not it does that doesn't work it just doesn't work (laughs) we're seeing it not work Mm-hmm. It's so scary. It just makes me think, like, in the future, uh, there's just so much to unpack, and like, the foundation that that was put on is just so fucked up, and no one wants to do the work to dig up the foundation and create new. Um, yeah. So I like kind of don't have hope for the future. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. I have I have hope, but not enough. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that the problem is we have to stop infighting for five minutes to, like, mm-hmm. try to fix things. And that doesn't seem to be stopping, right? Like, within, I think because these parties have sort of, like, enveloped so many different kinds of people who think different ways, they're all, like, arguing about what is the right way, right? Um, like, the, right, right after the um, midterms in 2018, there was a ton of fighting between the moderate wing of the Democratic Party and the uh, more liberal wing of the Democratic Party about what the right way is to campaign and like which way they should be voting and what issues they should be focusing on and all these things. And like at the end of the day, neither one of them is wrong because they are running to get elected and represent the people in their district, which are Mm -hmm. very different people. And they couldn't, they could like, it's their job to find common ground between them, not to try to force one group of p- their constituents or the other to like change fundamentally who they are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, so I just, yeah, I think there's just so much, there's like no connection at all anymore between anything like in politics. Like everyone is just on their own Island screaming and <laughs> until we figure out how to stop that from happening, I really don't. Yeah. I, I'm with you, Felicia. I don't know if I have a lot of hope either. <laughs> the thing I keep hearing people say is, uh, well, it's been worse before, like right before the civil war, we were a much more divided nation. And that's supposed to be comforting. But then I also think like, but yeah, a lot of people died. Yeah. yeah. More people yes. died in the civil war than in any other war we've ever had. Do we want like whatever, like, like one out of every 20 Americans or whatever it was to die? And to like destroy our country. Right. Yeah. Do we have to like, I mean, it's, at some point it does almost feel like we've gone so far down this negative path that we do need some sort of giant start over thing. Mm-hmm. I'd prefer it not to be a war, um, but it like does feel like we were just so far down this path. <laughs> what was that? Maybe just like a conversation and then we're just like, oh, okay. I was only hearing myself and now I hear you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be nice. <laughs> you want to put something, rough something out, Felicia? I'll draft up an email and send it on over. <laughs> draft yeah. up a memo. Yeah, they missed that in like in the Constitution where they, there needed to be like a little thing. Like you have to talk and listen to people who disagree with you. Yeah. Right? I don't think the, the thing the people who are like originalists, you know, of the Constitution, I'm just like you, the people who wrote the Constitution, first of all, they were like 23 years old. Second of all, they living in a very very different time like do we really think that they just anticipated every possible outcome of the future like i just will never understand that ever whenever (laughs) i hear in politics someone refers to our founding fathers i instantly cringe because i'm like first of all your founding fathers wasn't fucking with me so why should i hold up their values that when they didn't value me and also they should have made room for changes because we are growing and like you said first that's the first time i've heard them say like they were in their 20s which blows my mind yet again yeah they were a lot of them were fair pretty young but keep in mind back then that was not that you know like ben Ben franklin was 70 and they were all like i can't believe he lived to 70 that's (laughs) unbelievable if i read anything from my diary from my 20s it is absolute trash (laughs) right and like obviously we have very different lives now so like we are probably less like developed emotionally and and intellectually than they were at that age but still you've only lived a certain number of years so you've only had so many experiences yeah their experiences were just inherently more limited than ours are because they didn't have the internet and they only right. interacted with people in their own class and all of these other things. So I just, I like that entire idea. And also they did, they did anticipate needing to like the whole idea of amendments and things like that. Like there are things they always intended for the constitution to be a living document, but then people have like, like retconned, like the intent behind a lot of the things that went into creating the constitution. And so now like we can't even agree on that sort of very basic like initial idea that went into like, what is America and like, how should it, how should we change and adapt to, you know, the circumstances that we're in right now? 
Yeah, allowing for amendments was probably the smartest thing they did, was saying like, all right, well, you know, we may have gotten some stuff wrong. And, uh, and also, like, times may change. And in the 1700s, like, times hadn't changed that much. Like, they're, they're living pre-industrial revolution. The world changed more in the 1800s than it did in the, like, 15, 16, 1700s combined. Like, they were living in a world that was pretty similar to what their great-great-grandparents had lived in. And now the world we live in compared to what even our grandparents lived in, it's it, change is happening so fast. And it's been like that for the last 150 years. So, yeah, we have these arguments about like safety and, and what does the Fourth Amendment mean in a modern sense. And some people want to they don't want to take in the modern airplanes didn't exist. Like so safety obviously has changed, you know. For as wise as Abraham Lincoln was, he like gets shot in the back of the head and he dies knowing that like electricity doesn't exist. Like he doesn't he doesn't know how to turn on a light switch for crying out loud. Such a genius. He doesn't know how to flip on a light switch. He's, he can't even conceive of the thing. So I often think about like what would happen if you like brought someone like one of the founding fathers to the present, like what they would do or think i mean first of all great movie idea i definitely i've already thought about i thought about that i was like oh what kind is it a horror like what kind of movie is it it's i mean i i like to think that it it starts as a comedy and then it slowly devolves into just the saddest (laughs) film ever made i love that and i'm here for that sad sack indie movie yeah Well, because like they always have these arguments, like the both sides have these arguments of like, oh, if George Washington were alive today, he would be on my side. He wouldn't have gotten in the car to get here. He would have yeah. not trusted the car. Well, yeah, you no, know, he would. Why would he get in a car, Felicia? That's like some sort of space <laughs> alien thing. Like, why would he? No, he would get on horseback. Of course, he wouldn't get in the car. Also, someone I was reading some article and, and they made the point that like. A lot of the founding fathers, if they were transported right away to the present, they might die from the air because the air quality oh, is yeah. so much worse now than it was then. Like their lungs yeah. would have to adjust just to the air quality. Hmm. Before even getting to the building. Right. It's a to- yeah, it's a totally different world. This is uh, – we've, we've already seen this movie. It's Kate and Leopold. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. Leopold. He invented the elevator, so, you know, also a fundamental part of our lives, <laughs> much like yeah. the Constitution. I don't know what I would do without an elevator. The elevator. Have you seen that movie? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. It's um, Hugh Jackman and Meg Ryan, and it's very vintage, like, early 2000s. Uh somehow he ends up the guy who invented the elevator ends up in the present in new york city and falls in love with meg ryan okay it's a love story oh it's a romantic comedy baby okay (laughs) writing that down and it's from about 20 years ago so it's yeah like every romantic comedy it's some some guy falls in love with meg ryan right exactly (laughs) she's so lovable with hugh jackman and time travel he's invented the elevator time is it a time traveling elevator how does he travel through time no i forget how he does it but he i think meg ryan's boyfriend who's played by Liev schreiber is like a like scientist maybe and like figures out time travel and somehow (laughs) brings I think he's also like a descendant of Hugh Jackman's character, which also is weird because she's dating like both Hugh Jackman and like his great, great 
Right. Whatever. <laughs> so, the, yeah, the twist on the rom-com is, like, she has to choose between two guys. But in this situation, it's a guy and his great-great-grandfather. Right. And also, spoiler alert, she picks Hugh Jackman, which basically implies that she was dating her, like, great-grandson. <gasps> Which is gross. <laughs> well, yeah, no, if they get married, it's, it's her, well, it's her step great, great, great grandson. No, I think the implication oh, is that. She, oh, she ends up having Leah Shriver. She goes back to the past and lives in the past with him. Oh, so, wow. This now. You need to see this movie. It's actually very good. <laughs> I'm not doing it justice. I also haven't seen it in like 15 years. But it's great. <laughs> I'm going to be pissed when it isn't as good as what you said it is. Because <laughs> just your version is perfect for me. <laughs> I'm just going to do a podcast spinoff where I just tell you what a movie is about that I haven't seen in 15 years. <laughs> she went back in time. <laughs> she did. To be with him. But wait, the movie takes place in the present. Yeah. So first he comes to the present. They fall in love. There's hijinks. And she makes the choice course. to go back with him. Right, and then she has to, because he, because the, so, <laughs> the elevators start malfunctioning and vanishing because he is no longer in the past to, like, invent them. Of course. And so, like, at one point, Liev Schreiber, like, falls into an elevator shaft <laughs> because there's no elevator in it. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of, lot of silly, uh, definitely would have been deadly, but isn't for some reason hijinks um, involved. <laughs> Uh, so then she, they realize they have to go. He has to go to the past. And so then she has to decide whether or not she goes back with him. She's like, she, I don't care about my, my life right now. I really don't care about what I worked hard for. Nope. I'm going to go in the past. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give up my career and live in a society that thinks I'm property. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't be with someone and go back two years. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. I'd rather just stay here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This has been Unlearning Kate and Leopold. Uh, tune in next time when we'll be talking about politics. I just think politics is so exhausting. It is. It's hard like, to. Yeah. And even like while in the middle of like talking about it, I feel like I don't even know how to approach it because I think I get so frustrated because. Um, there just isn't conversations being had when it's like, I understand people are coming from their own reality, but you have to understand your reality doesn't mean that's the same reality for somebody else. And the fact that we can't even get past that conversation is like exhausting. If we were all having a conversation and like taking care of things, I wonder what politics would be like an advancement of what we could be doing. Like we probably could be going to Mars. Right? Like, even as far back, or as recent, I should say, as, like, like George H.W. Bush, mm -hmm. uh, there was an agreement on what the problems were. The disagreement was on how to solve them. Right. Whereas now, there is a <laughs> fundamental disconnect on what the problems are, or even whether something is actually happening mm -hmm. at all. Uh, which is just absolutely bonkers. Like I heard a, a poll the other day that was like, like more than 50% of registered Republicans or like Republican voters do believe that there was some kind of fraud in the 2020 election, which is just like absolutely mind blowing and terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but the people they trust 
are constantly lying to them. Right. Yeah. So of course they believe that. Yeah. I mean, it all comes, ultimately, all the problems in politics have something to do with money. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you look at, for example, Fox News or, or MSNBC or CNN or any of these uh, networks, like uh, cable, cable networks in particular, like CNN and, and Fox, like they are incentivized to get good ratings. Mm-hmm. They don't, yes. they are not incentivized to tell the truth um, or to be informative. And like Fox is obviously notorious for it, but also like CNN is just as bad in a lot of ways. Like they hired years ago, like a, you know, famous like executive producer of, of like fiction content mm. from like NBC or one of the, one of the networks. Sucker. Um, yeah to like run everything because they care less about whether or not it's truthful and more about whether or not they're getting a lot of viewership and selling a lot of ads. Right. So like there's that issue in the media. Right. And then there's also money in politics. Right. Like ever since um, the uh, what what is that? Uh, Citizens United. Yes. Citizens United. Thank you. Um, and which basically implied that like millionaires, billionaires can like donate uh, via their like companies however much that they want um to a political campaign basically means that the only incentive that a politician has it to to like do anything is based on who is giving them those huge top dollar donations mm. and then you could get to the fact why is that why do they need those donations right like there should be caps on how much you can receive how much you can spend in a campaign like we shouldn't be able to do these like crazy television ads like in england uh, a campaign is six weeks long and there's no television ads allowed like period so it's it's just there are ways that this can be done where you don't need the money right like where you it is not you don't need billions of dollars which also would then mean that people would run for office who aren't morally bankrupt crazy people they would be like you and me you know people who have actually like lived a life and think that they have a good idea and are willing to work hard to try and actually make change rather than like i have a billion dollars i'm going to try and make another billion by being in office you know like it's it's just it there everywhere you look if you look pull up the the curtain you know of what the corruption is it's always money behind it Mm -hmm. and there's ways there's really obvious ways to to like remove these things but because the people who have to make those rules are this very same people who benefit from the way the system is right now it's never going to happen so we're back to having a lot of hope Uh, well, it felt like it was a hopeful because you're like, here's what needs to be done. It's, it's not that hard. But, of course, it's impossible. So it's yeah. never going to happen and we should all be sad. So I think we solved it, right? We, did we the definitely right thing. solved it by saying it can't be solved. <laughs> when everything changed to Bitcoin, though, that means oh boy, we'll be fine. Yeah. Bitcoin just constantly reminds me of the fact that Money in general is just an idea. It's fake. It's, yeah. it's all fake. <laughs> it's all fake. And it scares me These, because yeah. like... We ruined democracy for money and, and money's not even real anymore. It's, it's, it's well, numbers on a screen. Yeah. Like there was an argument at one point whether or not we needed money, like in the government. Like there was a time in America where there was not a universal like dollar. 
Like, yeah. there was not cash. Um, and there was a time when you had to say, we can only give out as much money, like paper money, as there is like gold, you know, on hand and stuff mm. like that. And we obviously no longer have that. So now we're just sort of like in literally inventing money out of thin air. <laughs> There's nothing behind it except yeah. that we all believe that it is real. Right. We printed a bunch of extra money to, to get through the pandemic. And I, I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing because some people did need money or whatever, but there's no consensus on how exactly to do this, how much to do, what's the right mm -hmm. thing to do. We're just kind of making it up as we yep. go. And we're learning from Scary. huge mistakes. <laughs> that we're continuously making yep. and right. not learning from. No. So the government <laughs> needs to do some unlearning is what we're... Yeah. Yeah. It's not so much that we need to unlearn anything. They need to. They need to. It. It's so scary. It's so scary that like we're the ones having these conversations instead of the people who need to be having these conversations are having it and trying to do changes because they're like that's too hard and also this is how I'm making money or right. living my lavish life mm -hmm. I think the internet's a big part of it too it's just easier oh, to yeah. be extreme and get a bunch of likes mm -hmm. uh, people you know there's that dopamine hit when you get a like a lot better than someone commenting and then you having to comment back and having a real discussion that's that's hard no one wants to have a real discussion so they just throw insults. 100%. So that's my, here's my campaign promises. <laughs> I mean, we're going to get rid of just social media in general. That's gone. Uh, Citizens United, gone. We got to put caps on, on campaigns. Also, corporations aren't people because of course they're not. Yep. Because duh, like that's my reasoning behind that one. <laughs> and then, uh, and uh, you can't, uh, anything you, you label as news uh, in media has to be nonprofit. You can't make a profit off of news. There you go. So you can't, if you're gonna be a 24 hour news network, that's fine, but you gotta like self fund and you, you can't be running ads and, and uh, owe money to, or uh, owe to sponsors. Yep. And Done, fixed it. Fix yeah. it, everybody. Vote for Matt vote. Sadler. I, I would absolutely vote for that platform. Me too. And honestly, part of that platform is just like, and then the rest will kind of fix itself, hopefully, if we just, if, if we, if we just hold each, each other accountable, some of the other stuff might start to, to fix itself. Mm -hmm. Accountability yeah. is always the answer. See, guys, you said it was unfixable, and here, half hour in, and I told you, I, we fixed it. We did it. <laughs> And we even we and it did it in like a half hour, and we had time to talk about Kate and Leopold. <laughs> That's perfection. Just jump into our last segment. How's your journey? We're on a schedule. On a schedule. Mm. We are on on a schedule to finish the podcast, and in order to do that, we're going to move on to our final segment. And I was reading too, so that I should be ashamed. <laughs> I think you probably you probably mess up more when you're reading than when you're talking. I think so. Yeah, I probably I'm do like too. Concentrating too much. Um, this is the last segment where we figure out how far on our journey of unlearning we are on a scale of one to ten. One being we haven't even started, and ten being I arrived. How far are you on your learning journey of politics, um, Val? Since you're our guest, you can choose if you want to go first, second, or third. Hmm. Does everyone always choose second? Yeah, that has they been do. the trend. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which I, we didn't expect. Yeah. But that's what everyone's been choosing. I'll buck the trend. I'll go first. <gasps> okay. She's um, wild. 
<laughs> I'm crazy. This better be good then. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'm probably like 2.5. And the reason I say that is because I'm definitely on the journey. Like I've started. Mm-hmm. But I think that this is one of those ones, and I presume this is probably the case with everything, but there's never not a point where you're not having to unlearn and like the the ground is shifting beneath you. So like, I don't think Mm -hmm. that this is one where I could ever get like above a five ever. Um, Because by the time I got to that point, I would have to be figuring something else out. Um, And yeah. And I think, I guess maybe the the part of the journey that is most fundamental is like coming to terms with that, mm-hmm. like coming to terms with the fact that like I don't have all the answers and that I never will and that I have to just keep paying attention and trying to, um, you know, learn and, and um, share as best I can what I think or see uh, or feel with other people and um, try to, yeah, try to just do what I can from where I am to like make things better in some way but like what is better better is always changing too so yeah that's Mm -hmm. sort of what i would say that's beautiful um yeah i i well now i don't want to pick a higher number than you you're like (laughs) oh i work on political campaigns and i you know do all this and i'm like well i'm probably like an eight (laughs) um it is tough because I, i do feel like i was probably at a higher number and I came down not because I got dumber, but because the game changed, right? Mm-hmm. This is like, uh, you know, Drastically. So all of our topics this season change over time somewhat. But this uh, is like a freight train. We are basically trying to understand politics is like trying to understand where a train is. By the time you figure it out, it has moved. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably in like a three range i guess um maybe at one point i hit a five and now i'm coming back down and i don't know um it it, yeah it part of the part of the problem is that the game is changing so quickly that no one really knows how to adapt and uh it just all this negative stuff we've been talking about hopefully it feels like we are coming to some sort of boiling point where And it, and like we said, worst case scenario, it's a civil war. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, someone takes Felicia's advice and like people on either side of the aisle are like, okay, this got out of hand. Let's just sit down and talk about this for a second. <laughs> but it's going to take people on both sides to acknowledge that it's gotten out of hand. Mm-hmm. Surely. Hmm. So even though right now it sounds like I'm solving it and I maybe should be at a 10, <laughs> I'm really only at like, like a three. <laughs> Matt for president. Yes. Uh, I feel like I'm on the same page as both of you. I go from a two to a five going back and forth um, constantly because there's times where I'm truly immersed and I'm thinking about things. And then there's times where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to listen to anything right now. And I'm going to just watch rom-coms because they're safer. Sometimes. I don't want to interrupt you, but that reminds me of a point I wanted to make. It's okay to not always 100% be tied into politics, too. Oh, I feel like yeah. we've, we've Healthy-wise, everyone is yeah. so obsessed all the time now. And it's okay to be, like, aware, but also, like, remove yourself and watch a rom-com from time to time. Absolutely. Sorry. It truly fucks with, like, my mental health, thinking about things that upset me. Um, so it's like I have to step away and be like, 
I am letting this affect me in a negative way. I need to take a step away and then come back to it. So I think I'm between a two and a five. Today, I'm at a two. <laughs> Did you start this podcast at a five? I started at a five and then slowly started to run backwards, which I had no idea I could do. I feel like I've ruined your days. <laughs> no, we needed this. Yeah, normally, normally this podcast is unlearning. Today, I felt like this was just learning. Yeah. We didn't even have preconceived stuff. Now we're just like, oh, crap. It's worse than I thought. <laughs> Made a mistake. Whoops. Now let's end um, the season on a high note. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Val, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And thank you for saying, I think you said it off air earlier, but you said that we were renewed for season two and that we were really yes. great. And did you want to just say that again while we're recording? I don't know. Yes, of course. Unlearning, coming back for season two, renewed, 100% for sure. Uh, yes. Stay tuned and listen to other Trident podcasts too. Sorry, I'm going to do my own shameless plug No, now. do it, do it. <laughs> Including my podcast, D-Commentaries, which is very not serious. <laughs> we watch Disney Channel original movies and talk about them. That's it. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in to Unlearning. Please feel free to share your stories with us or send comments and suggestions to unlearningapodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, unlearning underscore cast, Instagram, unlearning underscore podcast. We are a proud member of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com. This is a reminder that you are not alone on your journey to unlearning. Unlearn that. That's the whitest one. Unlearn that. That's the sassy one. Unlearn that. That's the demanding one. That is a demanding one. I liked that one. I liked that one a lot. I'm kind of curious. Can I get like a questioning one? Like you're not really sure. Mm -hmm. Unlearn that.